Once again, fellow peregrinos, welcome to episode 21 of El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation and packing for walking the road to Santiago, as well as tips, tricks and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. As always, we want to put more bounce in your boots, more Ks in your days, take the grim out of the pilgrimage. And yes, it's cheesy, but it's true. To that end, we have today with us a guest host, a lovely lady from our very first episode. Tierra St. Clair from Hawaii is going to be taking the reins as guest host this episode and asking me questions about my most recent Camino Portugues. Now, as if the Camino were like karate and they gave out belts, Tierra, you would definitely have the black belt. <laughs> I'm a black belt in Camino. That's good. I like that. Seven Camino, seven-time pilgrim, correct? Actually, ten now. What? Ten? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've done, I've done two two a year the last two years. Right, okay, so there you have it. I don't know if there's anything above black belt. Um, just You can have two <laughs> black belts. You can have two. I'll, I'll go, or I could have a gold belt, maybe. A gold belt, or you have a black belt, um, but you put one around <laughs> your head like a, like a superhero. <laughs> there we go. It's a good idea. So, yeah, I'd love to hear about your Camino. I know you've just done the Portuguese. Have you done any more? Have you done it other times as well? Uh, I have, and um, the Portuguese is my most recent. And, yeah, I mean, we only had – we could only squeeze in six days on this one. We only had a week that we could do our Camino in, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to go back and repeat a few bits and yeah. a bit more research. So that's what we did. Nice. My wife and I. Yeah. And what made you choose to go on the Portuguese this time? Well, Rachel and I, we live by the sea. We're in Tenerife, which is a, a Canary, one of the Canary Islands. Mm -hmm. And we miss greenery. We miss forest. And we don't have a lot of that here. It's very arid. It's very barren. So we were hooked in by the Camino Portuguese and the promise of walking through forests and fields and alongside rivers and with the with waterfalls singing to us all the way. And that's exactly what we got. Nice. So so a different topography than than you have at home. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And where did you begin? So this time we began in... I think it was uh, well. We started in Valencia, which is just inside the, just inside this Spanish border. So in the so the Portuguese border. Um, mm -hmm. Perdón. Sorry. Um, always got Spanish running around in my head as well. And um, we took from there a train to. We took from sorry, we went from Porto. We flew into Porto, mm -hmm. and we took a train from Porto to. Valencia. Now, anyone that does only have a week and they are interested is to start in the same place, all you do is you have to go to the Campania station in Porto. 
um, there's two big train stations in Porto. There's Sao Bento and there's Campania. So you you probably, if you get to the airport, you'll go into Sao Bento station from there. And then you get a train across town to Campania. And then that goes direct to Valencia. Excellent. And you can get walking from there if you've got a week. That's excellent. That's some really good... Um... That's some really good um, practical advice right there. And um, are there are there lots of albergues on the Portuguese? Like like if they start but they want to actually start the next day, there's an albergue to stay at right there. Mm. To find? It, it depends. If you start in Lisbon, it's a very very tough walk, and you're you're often doing thirty k days between albergues and often seeing nothing. Uh, between so that's tough so if you are a first time pilgrim i don't recommend starting in lisbon however from porto it's really well catered for and you do find a lot of provisions a lot of albergues and you find that camino spirit alive as soon as you start walking from porto Okay, so you'd really recommend starting from Porto rather than Lisbon for first-time people. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That is tough. That is a tough walk from Lisbon. Yeah, especially uh, if, if I'm starting out. If I'm being honest with you, didn't enjoy it so much from Lisbon. There's a lot of roadside walking as well. Literally, okay. you are walking along the road and you see lorries coming at you, and you have to jump oh, into boy. mud. And it's I don't think it's been very well thought out but it's still young it's still relatively young compared to the rest of the Camino so hopefully they'll uh, find some new tracks to walk wonderful yeah that's that's definitely the least favorite type of walking on the Camino it is right isn't by it by the road and yeah. lorries and cars and all of that's going on that's that's not really why we do it mm -mm, not at all and so you 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 did a week and did you get blisters Good question. Do you know what, Tierra? Um, I know we we cover this topic a lot because it's something that I suffered from really, really badly in all my other, other Caminos. But listening to the advice that I have heard from our fellow pilgrims on this podcast and other comments that I've read, I listened to all of it and I did it by the book this time. I didn't wear boots for the first time. I wore some Nike, some Nike trail runners uh -huh. and they were amazing. Leather ones, waterproof, lovely, lovely bit of kit. <laughs> and I made sure religiously that I had a clean pair of socks every day. And I did the Vaseline on the feet thing, which I'd never done before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew, I knew I was supposed to do that, but in all honesty, I'm so keen and eager to get on the road in the morning. So excited to get on the road that... I just don't, I think, no, I'll be okay. So I, I have always been a little bit complacent, stupidly. This time yeah. I did everything I was supposed to do, and it was blissful. No, no blisters. And that's the first time that's ever happened for me, and my wife too. So Excellent. I definitely recommend clean socks, blisters, not boots, trail runners. Uh, you know, unless you're doing some kind of expedition Everest <laughs> You know, something like that, something wild, something, you know, extreme. I, I don't know if boots are really necessary on the Camino. A good pair of breathable trail runners, and I think that'll see you right. I, I agree. I've, I've done it many times, actually, in uh, hiking sandals. 
and and a couple of times also in trail runners and and the other thing i just make sure they have a really good grippy um sole so that if mm. i'm going down hills especially with those rocks and that are slippery i like to feel like i have some grip on the sole of my shoe too yeah all that all, all that definitely helps and comes in handy and, and that's where you know sometimes when your feet are moving around a lot as well um in, inside your inside your, your footwear that can be a cause of the blister as well you know the friction so for for that thing it would help as well excellent so i i'd love to hear about your experience in the albergues in the portugal um you know on the on the francais which of course i've done each time though a little bit of the norte there's so many albergues and they range from you know the very very simple by donation to the you know, nice hotel suite and almost everything in between. Are there lots of options like that on the Portuguese? And is there, are there big rooms, small rooms, snoring? Well, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, the in Portugal, the albergues are, are mostly all year round, uh, which is really handy because I've yeah. done, a few, done a few winters. And like I said, very well catered for. The sizes vary from place to place, as always, just like on the Camino Frances. So mm -hmm. it's very similar in that respect. They're a bit cheaper now in Port. They're still only really? five euros in Portugal. The well, the, the the public ones are still only like five euros in in Galicia. Right. They're up to eight euros most of them now, um, and very clean. But they're cold. They're very very cold. The Portuguese oh. ones. Now I don't know if they have heating and they don't switch it on, or they just don't have heating. But um, I've said before in the podcast to you know our other interviewees that it, it can be very cold. Um, so I've laid in bed wearing every single piece of clothing I have with me, hat, scarf, gloves, snood, as well as four or five blankets that I've managed to procure from other beds that weren't being used. Um, and in terms of snoring, you know, that can happen anywhere. Yeah. As yeah. you're well aware, I think one of the biggest things, like I've said on, I think it was the last two episodes, was just being conscious of your own personal hygiene yeah. on the, when you're staying in the public albergues. You know, like I said before, there was two guys, and I, don't get me wrong, I really like these guys, and I, you know, I was chatting to them, um, and I, you know, I love chatting to people around the albergues and just getting to know people's mm -hmm. stories if I can, reasons they're walking it. I'm mm -hmm. nosy. Maybe I shouldn't be so nosy, but I do ask questions. I am nosy. And, but I mean, so I, I was chatting to these two fellas, but you know, they turned up late, they've walked a long way and you know, they've just not had a shower. And honestly, their body odor was making me keel over nearly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, it's not like you even had to get close to them. It was just, it was just there in your in your throat <laughs> kind of oh, yeah. so you know as much as the snoring which can't be helped you know that's just one of those things but the personal hygiene can be helped so i think just be conscious really of, of that and that's that that for me was i think the thing i noticed more than anything this time and i don't know why i didn't notice it so much before maybe it's because i'm with maybe it's because i'm with my wife and i'm i know my wife will notice these things uh -huh. <laughs> you know um yeah. so you know that just because people don't have a shout doesn't make them bad people but i just do think it will make you more considerate you know so that would yeah, be my only yeah. thing really and in terms of you know we mentioned it mentioned it before the sleeping you know if you do get there and you're one of the first to arrive 
if you are great, if it's not, it's not a race. But if you do get the to get to get to choose, I think you you mentioned it in the first one, pick a top bunk because mm-hmm. there's the more more air up there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can see a space by a window, even better. Mm-hmm. Um, away from entry and exit points or any stairs, and mm-hmm. in this day and age, I you know a lot of people are looking to charge their phones. So if you can get, score a score a bed by a plug socket, then uh, everyone's a winner, baby. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I, I've actually found that that snoring is less um, less loud and overbearing in rooms with more people. Like I think a lot of people think that the albergues with less people in them are better. But it's actually louder because it's it's a smaller enclosed space. Mm. And you know when it's a bit more silent, you can hear a pin drop, can't you? Yeah, that's right. And when you when it's silent like that, you can hear the nostril hairs kind of trembling, can't you? So it's a <laughs> it's a funny experience standing in the albergs. And um, I, I wonder yourself what your opinion is because you do read on a lot of Camino forums people saying you know you're not a real pilgrim if you don't stay in the albergs I don't agree with that I just wonder what your thoughts are on it I don't agree with it at all actually I um you know from from when we did that first one to now it's it's quite something I've met people who are staying in four-star hotels and having their luggage they don't even have a pack they just have their luggage shipped to the next one each day and um, it's it's easy, and I have seen myself getting a little judgmental, and gosh, uh, you know, but the truth is, what I really think is that if you're on the pilgrim, if you're on the Camino, you are a pilgrim, and it and it's going to impact you. It may not, it may not impact you um, in the way like it does for some of us. It's really, it's really quite life changing, and the, and the hardship or the challenges become part of the strengthening, but you know, what I see is the Camino has magic to it and it doesn't matter how you're doing it. And I'd rather people who wouldn't otherwise do it, do it in a way that they can and, and, and still get the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I was in the house of parliament, I would go yes to that. Very, very uh, mm-hmm. agree. I think the only thing I would say is as well is that this time, for example, we had a, I had a couple of terrible nights sleep the first two nights I stayed in the Albergs. I always try to stay in the public Albergs as much as possible mm-hmm, because then you, you maximize contact with your fellow pilgrims. Exactly. And that only enriches and enhances your experience. And, but because I, I had two really terrible nights sleep, I said to Rachel, let's get a hotel, you know, for a night. We got a mm-hmm. hotel one night. And I slept really well, and I'm definitely a better person when I've had a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. I don't like myself when I'm tired and and ratty. So I always try to make sure I sleep as good as possible. Um, And what is the point I'm trying to make here? I'm waffling, aren't I? No, the point I'm trying to make is is that when we stayed in in the hotels, I actually missed the Albergs, the public Albergs. I missed the camaraderie. I miss the chats. I miss getting to know people. I miss talking about the Camino. Don't get me wrong. I love spending time with my wife, but she miss, misses that too. And so I think try to stay in the public albergs when you can. Um, but if you do feel tired or you do feel like, you know, you just need some time to yourself tonight or whenever, then it's not a crime to go and stay in a hotel or a four-star or a five-star, whatever. Sometimes that... You know the the deprivation 
that the Camino imposes on you amplifies the feeling of pleasure you get from staying in those hotels mm-hmm. when you do go and stay there. I remember when I, you know, after I hadn't slept well and I just plonked myself down on this bed. We were in Pomferrada this time and I just plonked myself down on the bed. I was like, I feel great, you know, mm-hmm. just laying in that bed and a nice hot shower. Um, you know, that can be part of the the reward for yourself. So it's not a, it's not a crime to mix and match it, but after two nights in hotels, I did say to Rachel, I want to stand on Alberg tonight. I miss my fellow pilgrims. I miss the chats. Yeah. And I miss talking to the hospitaleros and hospitaleras. And I think mixing it up can be a really good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And uh, I I like mostly staying in the in the public albergues with with all the people. And when I do stay, you know, in a hotel, I'll take three baths. <laughs> I'll take a bath and then another and then another. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I never ever take baths ever. Uh, well, or but... a shower, whichever one. I no, 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 no. But you've got a point though. You've you got a point because what's the first thing I did after walking 25k? I filled that bathtub up, uh-huh. up with hot water uh-huh. and I just water. lowered my body in there. And what was really interesting was just seeing how the color of the water turned darker. <laughs> With every inch of my body that fell into that water, I was uh-huh. like, "Wow, I am uh-huh. dirty." Uh-huh. <laughs> That's quite rewarding as well. Like I just clean myself, you know. So, so having done the Camino a number of times, what what would you say? What are some what what are some things that you you wouldn't want to be without in your kit? And what what have you found that a lot of people bring but you don't find essential? Well. I think I've dedicated myself to bringing pegs with me. I mean, I'm not a very domesticated person at all, but I've been on previous Caminos where I've come to the washing line in the morning and my clothes are on the floor. So I've mentioned mm-hmm. that one before, pegs. But and definitely this time, Vaseline. I've seen how important Vaseline is for your feet. But my wife came up with a very novel and great idea, and she took a pack of Ziploc bags and I know this doesn't sound revolutionary at all, but I've never done that before. And it came in so handy for preparing some snacks along the way. And, mm. you know, in the morning or at night or whatever, whenever we had time to do it, we would prepare our snacks. Normally, normally when we finish walking for the day, we'd go to a supermarket, get the, the, the provisions for the next day, knowing what we need, buy some rolls so we don't have to carry a whole loaf of bread with us. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. S- some pate as well so you don't have to carry any packaging with you. Spread that baby out in the rolls, stick it in a Ziploc bag, and then you're all sorted for the next day. Mm. Um, so, oh. again, these, sometimes these little things just make it, you know, make you, your journey along the way a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think those things, Ziploc bags, I've got down... And, you know, my first Camino, I took a lot of ridiculous stuff with me, you know, like a tent. The tent was completely unnecessary. Um, you know, uh, Spanish phrase book, unnecessary. And again, I would also say, I know people will probably hate me for this, but mobile phones, take them, but keep them switched off. And that's my, that's my own philosophy. And you can agree or disagree with that, but I will always keep mine off and switched off and that doesn't make me right that's just the way i do it 
and yeah um the, and also a travel towel take in your quick drying travel towel because that's one thing you're definitely going to want, want to learn to use so those are the things i've found kind of shall we say imperative mm-hmm. and is there something that that you tend to bring but you really don't use um, you know what i i have brought with me on previous caminos like fake what uh, fake wallets with like expired bank cards so if i ever did get into a spot of bother i would just hand that over kind of thing uh-huh. uh maybe i was being a little bit cautious there so what i've got now is i've got one of these what they call a magic belts don't know if you know what they are yeah and they expand with whatever to the size of whatever you put on it so it's like the width of two fingers but if you've got like a passport or a wallet and it will expand to the size of your passport and wallet and you just put it in you put it under your clothing basically um so no one can see it's there kind of thing so and i've taken pen knives with me before as well and that was a bit silly you didn't really ever use a pen knife so yeah duct tape for blisters maybe but you can buy that along the way if and when you need it so stuff like yeah, that you really. can you can get everything along the way pretty much can't you exactly exactly yeah. yeah so i've been i've gone from one extreme to the other my first camino i over prepared took way too much i've no idea how much my backpack weighed but it was ridiculous and this time i had it down to at its lightest six kilograms nice and it was lovely walking with so um just so little on my back yeah then it becomes about the joy of the walk rather than oh. Absolutely, absolutely. And thanks to my fellow peregrinos on this podcast for helping me with that because listening to some of the ideas, you know, some didn't take some didn't take backpacks. Um sorry, some didn't backpacks, what am I talking about? Some didn't take sleeping bags and stuff like that. So I was thinking, hmm, what can I actually do do without? So um, you know, my philosophy is was to take three of most things, you know, three t shirts, three underwear, three socks, um, and that served me this time. Excellent. So, um, what is your what is your favorite town and your favorite albergue? I'm I'm curious on the Frances as well as on the Portuguese. Right. Well, on the Frances, I'm gonna have to say Granion. Okay. And that's in La Rioja. Um, you remember the night that you and I spent there? I think I that's do. where I first met you. I mean, it was like a medieval banquet. That's where I, the only way I can think of it. You know. I don't know how there was maybe 40 or 50 of us squeezed into that little room by the kitchen. Everyone, all hands on deck to to prepare the table, to cook, to wash up. The pilgrim blessing afterwards, the 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 deeper meaning falls across the table. The United Nations of pilgrims sat around the table. Um, that was a magical night and it was donativo as well. So you, you know, you leave as much as you can. It's always nice to leave a tip, um, there as well. The old man coming into the room that was a hundred years old saying, you know, you're all welcome to stay for as long as you want. The door is always open. You know, this is where the Camino magic happens. And this is why Mm -hmm. sometimes the most Spartan rustic, basic places have the most magic because they might not have a lot of comfort but they have a lot of love and a lot of camaraderie and a lot of spirit and that's where the magic happens so that's on the yeah that's on the 
the Camino Frances. I will always remember that place. Magical night. And then I would talk about the Frances. Now, if I was talking about a public one, uh, sorry, the Portuguese, the public one, I would say there's a place called Portilla. And there's a very basic public outburst again, but very clean, very spacious. It's at the top of a horrible hill. So when you get to that hill, you've had enough. It, 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 yeah. It is a godsend. You're like, right, I'm staying there. Five quid, uh, five euros, sorry, for the night. And, yeah, and it's very clean. No, I don't remember there being heating, but um, it was a really, really nice place to stay. And the hospitalero, he orders you pizza. There's no no provisions around, but he orders you pizzas from, like, a nearby, yeah, takeaway place. So you get pizzas delivered as well. And, obviously, when you've got Pilgrim, the chronic pilgrim hunger you tear into your pizza and really enjoyed that place as well so that's um casa de la recoleta and that's in portela now at the other end of the scale uh, rachel and i my wife we stayed in a place called casa do poco in valencia which is just before you cross the spanish border and it is like a stately home it's beautiful it's like going from economy to first class on 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 a concord or a flight to to australia or whatever and yeah amazing just amazing and the they've got like velvet velveted walls um you know like these chunky wooden staircases the views across the border you can see right across this really broad river the river banks on the spanish side and on the portuguese side you can see the cathedral across the border it the mist on the river it, it's just a magical place and to top it off the owners are really really lovely and they cannot do it enough for you it was we paid about 100 euros for the night but that was really because it was our only option to stay um so casa do poco the public one in Granion on the camino frances and casa de la recoleta in portela at the top of a hellish hill yeah go and stay I, there everyone. And so on the on the on the front says you can you can often choose how how far you're going to walk in the day i mean not exactly obviously but you can stop in this town or go five more k to the next one is that true on the portuguese or is it is it more laid out you have to go this far because there's really nothing in between most of the time most of the time on the portuguese from porto you probably have to go the stages. Uh -huh. You might find the odd Alberg in between stages, and you will find some private ones as well, but they're not always open during the winter. So if you think you can't make it between stages and you are going to stay in between stages at these private places do check if they're open or not in the winter yeah. because i found a lot of them to be closed and on the but from lisbon like i said you've often got to do 30 28k days 35k yeah. days so if you are starting just cutting your, your pilgrim teeth definitely not a good idea to start there yeah, I mean, even even for me, and I walk all the time, whether I'm on the Camino or not, 30K is a lot. And, and, and it's less once you've been at it for a week or two, you know, mm. you kind of build yourself up. But starting out with 30K days every day, that's, that, that's definitely challenging. 
Definitely, and and that's the way you you end up getting injuries as well because you, you exactly. need to break your body and as well as you're breaking your feet in, you need to break your body and your bones and your muscles in. And like you say, after a week, a thirty k will be quite manageable. But on the first couple of days, you don't want to be working th- walking thirty k's if you don't have to. Yeah, that's right. Um, so is there one thing you'd do differently if you on your next Camino? I mean, especially for the Portugal because you don't you you maybe done it a couple of times now but is there anything and also do they do they what do they speak spanish over there do they speak english the portuguese speak fantastic english ah, they okay. that i mean I, I found whether whether they're young or whether they're seasoned shall we say um well I, said. <laughs> I found that most people do talk really, really good English, um, as well as the local language, which is Portuguese, which is very similar to Spanish in the way it's written, but not in the way it's spoken. Right. Um, so I found myself able to understand a lot of what I read because I speak fluent Spanish, but um, and able to pick out a lot of the 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 spoken um, Portuguese, but it's very very different in its pronunciations Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. that was um so i would probably learn make sure i learned more portuguese to be honest with you that was my only regret really that Mm -hmm. i wish i could have spoken more of the local language because it is actually a very beautiful language um and if you hear the portuguese from brazil i mean it's it's like a it's like a it's like someone singing to you the song yeah it's yeah. very, very well, nice. And also, language. it's it's really rich, isn't it, to be able to speak to the local people and to feel not just like you're passing through on on top of it, but that you're actually involved in and connecting with people who live in these little towns all along the way. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I found my first couple of the Caminos when I didn't speak Spanish. At times, you do feel like a bit of an outsider. Now mm-hmm. I am fluent in Spanish. I mean, I will stop and I'll chat to the locals. You know, mm-hmm. just like the British do, they like to chat about the weather, um, and you know, they'll chat about anything really. The, the Spanish and the Portuguese are a lot, a bit more reserved compared to the Spanish. A bit more conservative. The Portuguese, to me, are a bit like the British Latinos. Um, they can be quite, you know, in. Um, Insular, if that's the right mm-hmm. word, um, mm-hmm. and they they take a little while to open up. But mm-hmm. when they do, they they are lovely. But they they're a bit bit more reserved than, than mm-hmm. the Spanish. And you do notice the difference when you cross the border as well. Yeah. Um, but one thing I would do differently is probably walk slower, uh-huh. because um, when I've walked on my own, I've always gone quite fast, which is because yeah. it's natural to me to want to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But yeah. when I've walked with my wife, I've definitely walked slower and started to take more in, connect a bit more, um, spend more time chatting to the locals, chatting to fellow pilgrims as well. And from yeah. that respect, I've really got a lot more out of slowing down. And I think by slowing down, you actually amplify those positive effects by connecting, by connecting with your, you know, the sights, sounds, smells, and sensations. Um, and it, that to me is a very powerful form of meditation and mindfulness as well that I'm beginning to get more out of every time I do it. Um, and like I, I've said before, every time I go back to the Camino, I think to myself, is it time to put this chapter of my life to bed? Mm. Is it time to move on? You know, is it time to find another hobby, passion, <laughs> obsession? I've already got, uh, this is my healthy one. My unhealthy one is my football team, but because um, they're terrible. But um, this is my, you know, my healthy obsession. But, 
after a few three or four days i find that passion becomes more intense than ever mm -hmm. and that addiction intensifies as well mm -hmm. so i think I it's agree. it's right it's with you it's with me for life this i'm a pilgrim for life yeah. and that's the end of it so and yeah. one other thing i wouldn't do differently is, is on a on a few caminos um i've taken work with me and i haven't enjoyed it as much um yeah. i've been learning because i'm a i work as a full-time um uh, you know a musician i take lyrics with me sometimes or scripts or whatever because um, i've done some theater work in the past and nah it, it's just uh, it's not the same. I wouldn't do it again. So yeah. I did get asked by Audrey Lee, who's episode 18, lovely lady from Australia. She said about taking her work with her. I said, if you have to, you know, then any Camino is better than no Camino, but you'll get more out of it by not doing it. Because mm -hmm. it is a chance to step outside of your everyday life. But if you've got no choice, go do it, and you'll still get some positive effects without a doubt. Absolutely. And I, I think that... Um... I think I think your whole idea of slowing down is so good too. It there there can become this this feeling of like you're going somewhere. You're going to Santiago, but Santiago is not the point. The point is the being in the moment on the Camino and the getting there. So mm. yeah, yeah, it's cheesy. It's it's not the destination. It it's really the journey. Isn't. <laughs> yeah. And that's so true. You know, yeah. it, it might be it might be often said and maybe overworn that statement, but never a true word has been spoken no that's that's for sure so spanish food i mean you live now in spain so there's it's not like you crave tortilla española but but what would you say is is something that you might recommend to people to try when they're on the camino okay so when you're in galicia you have to try the caldo gallego which okay. is a broth if you're vegetarian then it's not going to be for you because it's got some um, some chorizo in there, but uh, yeah, I would say the caldo gallego is a really really nice starters. If you're in Portugal, you have to try the pastiche de nata, which is yeah. the only thing I could liken it to. It's like a bit of a like a plastic plastic. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds lovely. Let's get some plastic in us. No. <laughs> Do you know what I fancy for dessert? A bit of plastic. <laughs> Don't eat plastic. Um, recycle it. No, um, pastis de nata is like a custard tart. It's it's mm. a, it's got a, it's the, the top of it's glazed. Um, it's got like a, um, it's pastry around the the crusts, and it is amazing. Absolutely, I'm not. I don't really have a sweet tooth, but you look at these things and they're everywhere, and you think, hmm, what's all that about? Pastis de nata. You must try them. That all is right. amazing. But believe me, once you have one, you're probably going to have two or three. So make sure you leave a bit of space. Okay. You need some. You need to have a, a pastis de nata um, department in your stomach because it is amazing. <laughs> so, is there any is there any little funny anecdote you'd like to share, or some wacky person that you've met that typifies somehow the Camino and and the surprisingness of it all? Right, well, all I'm going to say is, like we said before, we go back to that Alberg or hotel debate. Now, you won't meet these kind of people in the hotels most of the time. I haven't, yeah. personally. In the Albergs, you meet them often. And that is the magic of staying in the public Albergs as well sometimes. Yeah. So that's another advantage, I would say. Um, but, I mean, this time, I think it dawned on me the advantage of walking slower as well because you do 
maximize contact with people and your likelihood to bump into funny characters or interesting characters, people with stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rachel and I, we, we thought, oh, we need, it was one day, for example, we thought we're going to walk a bit extra um, because on our second last day, we had a chance, we had a choice. We could have a walk. We could either walk 20k to Padron and have to walk 27k to Santiago the next day, or we could walk 28k that day and only walk 16 to Santiago or 18 to Santiago the next day. So we're in a, we thought, oh, we need to rush a little bit, and because we've got to walk this 28k, so we got a shorter walk to Santiago. Anyway, long story short, we wondered if we should be stopping, and there was one place to stop and. I thought, oh, you know, we need to keep pushing here because we've got 28k today to do today. Anyway, Rachel twisted my arm into stopping for a coffee, so we popped into this place. I mentioned it in last week's podcast called um, O Pardal, and it's just between Caldas de Arias and Padron, and this cafe. The coffee was really, really good for a start, but there was like a, a towelless cat that was eating my cake. I jumped on my lap and eating my cake. Uh, a one-eyed dog that had the same name as our dog back here, Perla. Aww. My dog's called Pearl. Um, in Spanish, that's Perla. And mm-hmm. my dog is Pearl, named after Pearl Jam. You know, the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whoa, whoa, I'm still alive. You know, all that business. And, yeah, and just these. And then you go in to use their toilet, and it's the toilet of the actual family home. So you're walking past Aww. the grandma. You're walking past the grandma who's sat in the living room. You've got the baby rolling around on the floor. And this is just the magic of the Camino at work. I don't find anywhere else like that anywhere else in the world. No. It no. just doesn't exist. Um, and that's just one example of, of the Camino magic. And another one is, you know, like I remember being on the Camino Frances and there was uh, uh, a gentleman, an elderly gentleman sat on a bench in this town just before I got to Hospital de Orbigo. Mm-hmm. in Castilla y León and I just sat on this bench and this old man comes and sits next to me he's you know he's got a pair of braces on and brown trousers pink shirt and you know what that is Spanish like they just start talking at you don't they they just start mm-hmm. talking at you at this point in my life I didn't speak Spanish so I kind of you know pretended like I knew what he was saying and you know then all these pigeons come and start sitting down uh, they didn't come sit with us sorry they flew in um and he just starts feeding the pigeons getting this pigeon feed out of his pocket and and just you know ma- little magic moments like that if you do stop you do encounter them and absorb them and they do enrich your experience along the way and the ma- the old man he's poking his finger into my arm you know chatting at me non-stop he knows i can't understand what he's saying but he didn't care <laughs> You know, and these to me, this is just this is just the magic of the Camino at work. So, yeah, um, and yeah, I'm, I mean, even you know, meeting people like yourself and and Peter and Jules, you know, this is the magic of the of the Camino at work. And mm-hmm. and um, you know, you don't, I don't meet people like you in Tierra in everyday life. You know, is if you could tell the listeners a little bit about, about yourself and how you came into contact with the Camino, you know, that you are one of those. Colourful characters, I would say. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I... They don't um, make many like you, love, I tell you. Yeah, I think people don't meet many like me anyway. <laughs> but I, you only find characters like you on the Camino, so... Yeah, you do. You Well, and you know what I actually think a lot of it has to do with 
Brad, is that people become more who they really are on the Camino because after, you know, after walking day after day, you get too tired to put on airs, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't you can't be bothered with with trying to prove things and and making it look good because your feet hurt and you're tired and you just you know you get down to the to the essentials of yourself and I think that's what makes us all unique. And that's one of the things I do love about the Camino. And and as you say, staying in the public albergues, because that is where you meet people. That's a lovely way to put it. And I've said it before on the podcast that the Camino brings the best out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The real. Okay. Most important word to know in Spanish. It's got to be bocadillo, I think. <laughs> bocadillo. Because everywhere you go, you just see that word, bocadillo, bocadillo, bocadillo. And when I was first, I was like, what What is that? that?" (laughs) And then you realize it means like a French bread baguette kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And everywhere makes them. And I think that was the only thing I could say when I first did the Camino Frances in the end. (laughs) So I ended up just eating bocadillo after bocadillo. Yeah, bocadillo, jamón y queso. And that's all I could say at Uh that point. And um, And yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had about four of those a day. So, um, yeah, bocadillo. And also you hear the word aquí, 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 uh-huh. everywhere, don't you? Which obviously means here, 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 por aquí, por aquí. Um, and then so, just, just the very simple buen camino. I said what? that to someone on my last camino, and he looked at me confused. I'm like, that should be really obvious, even to someone who doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> But it wasn't obvious to him, so I had to tell him what I was saying. And on the Camino Portugues, that becomes Bom Camino. Bom Camino. Beautiful. Bom Camino. Bom Camino. Yeah, love that. Yeah, love that too. Do you know what? I think on my on the last Camino, the second last day, I counted seven. I got seventeen Buen Caminos. Nice. Always lights up your day. Nice. Okay, hardest part of the Camino. Finishing without a doubt. Yeah, without it's a doubt. Finishing. You yeah, I, I feel like that's one thing I would do differently is on my next Camino, I'm gonna ease myself back into everyday life because the mm-hmm. day I got back from my Camino, I went to work. Mm, yeah. I got back uh, we left Santiago at seven in the morning, got home about eleven o'clock in the morning. And 10 o'clock at night, I was back on stage. And, yeah, it was silly. And, you know, I think a bit of time for reflection is really important after your Camino because I tend to make Camino resolutions. You know, like you make New Year resolutions. Mm. I make Camino resolutions. So what am I going to do differently in this new version of myself? Because I always learn something, learn something about myself, no matter what I do on a Camino. Um, no matter how many times I do it, I always learn something about myself by taking that time out. And my resolution this time was to get rid of my smartphone. Wow. And that's what I'm going to do. Haven't done it yet because, like I said, I've just gone from being a pilgrim to straight back to work. And it's been it's been tough because there was all manner of things I've had to deal with since I've come home. And that's the hardest part. You go from just the blissful eight hours outside listening to waterfalls and walking alongside rivers and walking through forests and just, you know, inhaling all the scents and, you know, 
enjoying all the sounds and sights and then the next thing you know your phone's back on again and and i just learned that i don't need the internet in my pocket i just don't i just don't need it just don't need the internet in my pocket and the curious part of us always wants to check something let's just check let's just check let's just check it's bloody tiring and that switch task residue between checking your facebook to checking your instagram to checking your emails to checking your messages to checking your whatsapps it's so tiring and i found myself so energized by not doing that during my camino um that's why i don't have my mobile phone switched on nice so yeah that's my answer to that one Communo resolutions, ease yourself back into work, even if it's just 24 hours. Yeah. So, yeah, I do have my, I do have it earmarked on my list of things to do to get a, uh, a dumb phone for the new year. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I disagree with you on the whole technology thing, but I think there are a lot of people that would really speak to. And so that's. Yeah, no, that's tell me why you disagree. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued why you disagree. I'm, I'm, I'm open to to reasons why well um, i don't disagree disagree on your behalf it's just it's just for me but you see i have a very different life i don't have a home so without without my phone i i haven't i don't have connection to my friends it's actually the thing that connects me all the time to everything everywhere and and if i don't have that i'm just i'm just really quite alone wherever i am so to me, it's the thing that that is a great pleasure that I can, you know, be all by myself in Madrid and feeling kind of lonely and be able to call someone in New York, you know, and, mm. and just have a chat and that kind of thing or have the um, have the the delight of taking some photo and putting it on Facebook and then having people respond to it. It helps me to feel connected to to the world and to, you know, my home is is everywhere and nowhere at this point so Mm. but i think there's a lot of people who who are really addicted to their phones and it and it creates an isolation for them which is kind of the opposite of how i feel about it and so that that not having having that to to check into but rather you know looking at the scenery and talking to the person that's next to you or you know the person who's just served you your book of the uh instead of being too connected into that i think that's really valid for a lot yeah 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 i mean you've definitely mentioned the positives and the negatives there of of technology and mobile phones and maybe you're right maybe if i if i didn't live a peripatetic lifestyle like you do then that phone would be imperative and Mm -hmm. absolutely essential um but in everyday life the way i live it where i do have a home and and yeah um, and I can just come home and get connected on my laptop. Um, exactly. And, and exactly. I might I might lose a bit of work every now and again, but because in my business it's very competitive and then you have to struggle mm-hmm. the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the advantage of just the clearer state of mind is more important to me than that extra money in a way i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not materialistic i'm not money motivated mm-hmm. so maybe mm-hmm. if i was you know but i thanks for that other side of the other side of the fence there and would you say would you say one of the best parts of the camino for you is that being able to disengage from all of that 100%. Kind of fast-paced 
hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just, I feel, you know, <clears throat> the best, the best part of the Camino, I think, is that we, we push the reset button, mm-hmm. and and once we push the reset button, we, you know, like we do on our computers, as I've said before, the computer runs more efficiently, and so does that. Yeah, so do right. our bodies and the circadian rhythms as well. You know, the synchronization of circadian yeah, rhythms. Yeah. You know, waking up with sunset. Sorry, waking up with sunrise, going to bed not long after sunset. This is what our bodies are designed for. In essence, we are still cavemen and cave women. This is how we, our bodies, have evolved. We are not our, our bio, biologically, our bodies don't know what to do with this technology that we've got because we we haven't evolved to use it. Now, maybe in a thousand years' time our bodies will have evolved and we'll have some kind of onboard computers on on, on board computer you know kind of chip in our brain or something where we don't even have to carry a phone i don't know but our bodies at this moment in time have not evolved to to use technology as much as we use it and the constant hits of dopamine that we get from from the the notifications um, I don't think it's healthy for us, and this might be a controversial statement, and I could be talking nonsense, but it wouldn't surprise me if in 50 years' time that we find out that mobile phones are this generation's smoking cigarettes. I could be talking nonsense, but I just no, don't think I, it's... I've actually, I've noticed that that it seems to be, it seems to be stronger for some people than others, mm. like... Like I know a lot of people that that would that would agree with you, and I, I see them being really negatively impacted. So I think that, I think that some people's bodies are really super super sensitive to these kind of things, mm. and that and that it's important for people who are really sensitive to take note of it. You know, mm. because I think the biggest thing about people in their bodies is that they're not paying much attention to them at all, and that's another thing I think that the Camino gives us is you really have to pay attention to your body because it's the only way you're going to get to the next town. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with that anymore, Tierra. Um, uh, you know, the listening to your body and the, all I can say is I've done that. I've, you know, I've disconnected mm-hmm. from my mobile and I know how much better I feel. Even, you know what, even if it's just I go for lunch with Rachel, my wife, and I say to Rachel, turn my phone off. Put it in your bag, please. I don't want to hear from it. And even just that hour that we yeah. sat there and had lunch, I feel better after that. Yeah. Um, and just I think it's the immersion in one task and the mindfulness of doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it is a form of meditation, even just focusing fully doing some deep work for 45 minutes. To me, yeah. that is a form of meditation. And the mobile phone disconnects me from that. So yeah. um, I know people, I know the majority of people will disagree with me and I, you know, I don't blame them for that because it has become so important for everyday life, but I'm winning my, I'm winning myself off mine. Well, I, I applaud you because it sounds like it's something that isn't that healthy for you. And, mm, and... No, not for me, but I appreciate why it's important for you as well. And, yeah. and if I did live that kind of lifestyle, then maybe I would definitely want to do that, you know. Um, I can understand why and how it can be very advantageous, but yeah. So there's it's... probably not any any certain apps that you use. You just go like by you probably have a guidebook if you don't know the trail already, or exactly. Yeah. 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 
Nice. So if someone's thinking of doing the Camino, but they're not sure and they have all these concerns and they're a little scared or uncertain, what would you say to them? I would say that the Camino, <clears throat> excuse me, the Camino, it amplifies parts of life that you would normally take for granted. And if mm-hmm. anything, it's going to make you appreciate your life even more when you come home. And that's in some ways one reason to do it. It will it will make you appreciate your life more when you come home. Mm. And things that you, like I said, take for granted, you'll now think are some amazing little pleasure. You know, eating lunch slumped against a wall or the stump of a of a shady tree, you know, that ordinarily you wouldn't think that's something special but when you've walked 20 kilometers 25 kilometers and you sit your bum down for the first time in four or five hours it's it's amazing you know the quirky characters you meet you know they're all like it's a life-changing experience and you know the the deep meaningful chats with people the scenery the towns the cities everything you see you know the sunsets and the sunrises that you wouldn't ordinarily see the little buzz of excitement when you see a yellow arrow, if you think you're lost, mm-hmm. when you see mm-hmm. that cafe sign up ahead, when you've been walking for 25 kilometers, you're like, you know, you might be walking through your city. You're like, oh, there's a Starbucks. I'll go and have a coffee because you're bored. And on on the Camino, you're walking through a forest and you see this little village up ahead and some cafe sign and you're like, hallelujah. Yeah, you know, yeah. all those little pleasures, you know, this is just something that all those little pleasures are amplified. And to me, everything becomes magical. And yeah. that's one reason to walk it. And, you know, just saying hola or buen camino to strangers, you know, the release of inner peace you get from saying that, yeah. you know, food you wouldn't normally eat, you know, the ends, food you'd normally leave out for raccoons tasting like a gourmet meal, you know. <laughs> Cat food becomes caviar. Um, you know, the relief of kicking your boots off at the end of the day and putting your flip-flops on and getting a fresh air pedicure. Um, you know, the all these little things make, become absolute immense pleasures and pushing through the pain barrier, you know, breaking physical, mental boundaries that you thought were initially beyond you. Being on the Camino is going to make you feel better than yourself, better about yourself than ever, stronger, wiser, free from all forms of mental self-harm. You know, that's because my, my mind plays tricks on me from time to time. And and I know I, I know my mind better than ever now and the tricks and darkness and the angst, anxious episodes that I, I can have. Um, when I'm on the Camino, they tend to go away. And, mm, um, nice. and you know, that's, I think, what's really important. Camino de Santiago, I love you. Go do it, everyone. Sweet. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for sharing all of that. Um, thank you very much, Tira, for being the the guest host. I'd love to have you back on again sometime soon. I know you are here, there, and everywhere, as the Beatles once sang. Um, <laughs> here, there, and everywhere you go. Lovely song. Um, random tangent there, but yeah, I'd love to have you back on as as a guest host as well, because I think you know you definitely know your Camino onions. You are the Camino black belt, and. Uh, yeah, um, 
if you'd like to do that, we'll definitely make that happen. Love that. Tierra, I've, I've had been lucky enough to have an hour of your time today and i know you're in madrid so you've probably got a lot of sightseeing to go out and do and i know you're cat sitting so you might have some cats to feed yep so um thank you so much for being our guest host and we'll have you back on as soon as possible thanks brad thanks really for interviewing nice me lovely yeah, chatting to you pleasure. Pleasure. and let's just say this happy new year tiara happy new year brad and no, uh, no episode is is complete without saying "Buen camino, fellow peregrina." Buen camino, peregrino. Adventurer said he's a 